You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. may have agreed with those who wanted to make Jesus king just the day before. He might have been disappointed that Jesus didn't accept, and since he was one of the twelve, he thought maybe he'd have a position in the monarchy. And so he might have been upset about that. But from Scripture, we know that Judas stayed with Jesus to see what he could get from him. Jesus, speaking of Judas in John 12, 6, says, Now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what he put into it. Now the big question, how many of us are covert defectors? Judas likely believed Jesus was the Messiah, but the problem was he wanted something very different than what Jesus came to offer. He wanted political power, wealth, and status. As Pastor Dave will warn us in today's message, we need to be careful that our hearts are truly faithful to Jesus and his mission. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 6, as he continues his message, The Covert Doctrine. You are These were men God would place his hand upon, and they would indeed turn the world upside down. And you can look throughout Scripture. You can read throughout Scripture as we look to see the people that God has used. We see that God has gone out of his ways to find individuals who didn't look as though they could amount to anything. And you know what? He's still looking today. There's a great scripture that I love to quote, and I don't mind quoting it again today. 2 Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly, wherefore from now on you shall have wars. The eyes of the Lord looking to and fro throughout the entire world of still who he can show himself strong upon. He's looking for someone that he can show himself strong on. This is great news to me. When I look at the, these guys' lives, when I look at the lives of all the saints in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when I see all these people, it gives me great assurance that God can and God will use anyone who is totally submitted to him. God will use them. So Jesus chose these 12, but there was someone in the mix who was different, like I said, someone who seemed like a true follower of Jesus Christ, but deep down he was what I call a covert defector. He was a covert defector, someone who blended in, someone who was close to the inner circle. The words of this verse, 70V, must have shocked others. Let's look at 70 again. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? This is not the first time Jesus spoke of a betrayer. We read back in verse 64, when Jesus said, but there are many of you who do not believe. And then John writes, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were and who did not believe and who would betray him. This is directed towards the ones that left, but it's also directed towards Judas. Judas was the one that would betray him. And here Jesus clearly shows that he knew that Jesus was going to betray him before he was chosen. Have you ever been betrayed by someone? Have you ever really cared for someone 
spent time with someone, had them come to your house for dinner, went to their house for dinners, talked to their kids, helped raise their kids, loved their kids, been with them, brother, sister, whatever it is, and then they betrayed you. Maybe it was someone you loved. They betrayed you. How did it make you feel? Probably didn't make you feel very well. Now let me ask you this question. Before you made friends with that person, if you knew they were going to betray you, would you still have been friends with them? Be honest. Would you still have chosen that person to be your friend if you knew in advance that they were going to betray you? (laughs) Jesus knew. Jesus knew all about Judas. So the crowd turns away from Jesus, and he looks at the 12, and they decided to stay. And then he drops the bomb on them. One of you is a devil. The word here means false accuser. It's the word diabolos, devil, false accuser. When he said that, did they turn and look at each other? Like, they didn't know who it was. Did Peter give each other peepers in the evil eye trying to fur them out? Or are they giving Peter the evil eye? Like, did it occur to Peter that he, suddenly he wasn't speaking for all 12? Because Peter was a spokesperson. If you look back there, it says, we believe. Peter was speaking for the 12. It's interesting that the Apostle John, when he was writing his, his gospel, and you'll see that, we've come across it before, from time to time, he writes an explanation of things. Remember, John is seeing this from hindsight. John is seeing this after the resurrection, after the ascension. John is writing this. And, and he clearly clarifies what Jesus was saying. Look at 71. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Judas, the name that everyone shudders at when you hear that. Have you ever been called a Judas? Besides Judas Iscariot, the only other person I ever known that got notoriety out of it was a guy named Judas Priest. Nobody wants that name. Would you name your kid? You look at the list of kids' names, boy names. You don't see that at the top anywhere. Why? Because it signifies betrayer. It signifies traitor. It signifies evil, a liar, a hypocrite, someone who's greedy. It signifies the devil. These words describe a man whose heart was definitely not following Jesus Christ. His heart was so far from the Lord that he had to make things up. He had to pretend to be what he was not. So I have three reasons why Jesus chose Judas to to be one of his disciples. Three reasons for you. And the first was he did it to fulfill Bible prophecy. Jesus chose Judas to fulfill Bible prophecy. In Psalm 41, in verse 9, David is writing, and he says this in verse 9. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. This is messianic. It's prophetic. David is talking about the Messiah. Lifted up his heel against me, my own friend, whom I've supped with, whom I've ate with. It's really interesting that in John 13, we'll get there some year. In John 13, in verse 18, Jesus says this. Quoting Psalm 49, 
I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in the spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. This obviously, remember, was at the Last Supper. It was important for Jesus to tell his disciples that he wasn't surprised that somebody was going to betray him. It's important for Jesus to tell them that he knew all along that Judas was going to betray him. And this verse, there's a sense of treacherous, unexpected attack or a cruel advantage of someone. That's what betrayal is. Imagine eating with someone, having them over at your house, being friends with them, and all of a sudden they become one of your enemies. It's a horrible thing. And interesting about this is in biblical culture, in those days when you ate, everyone dipped in the sop. Everyone dipped in the sop. I don't know if they double dipped, but they all dipped in the sop. And you became one with that person by dipping in the sop. And so it was really, really important. So this type of betrayal was the greatest of all betrayals. It was the greatest of all apostasies. Jesus didn't tell his disciples that one of them would betray him just because he had just learned about it. He knew it all along, but he wanted to tell them so the disciples would remain faithful, those who were stayed with him. He wanted them to remain faithful. And it's interesting, as Jesus reminded all his disciples, including Judas, his work wasn't finished. Judas, Judas would not win. The, the work of Jesus would continue and continues even today, even though Judas's betrayal led to a cross. But that was where Jesus was going all along, and he knew it, and that's where he had to go. He also wanted to, Judas to know that rejecting him meant he was rejecting God. To reject Jesus is to reject God. There are bigger consequences. This was no small betrayal. So Jesus chose Judas to fulfill prophecy. He also chose Judas so that we can relate to him and he can relate to our hurts. Everyone I know has been hurt by someone who thought a friend, someone you trusted. Jesus can relate to your broken heart. He can relate to what you're going through because it happened to him. Only his situation led him to a cross. He knows exactly how you feel. So he can have compassion on you and he can love you and he can show you through the midst. And finally, I think that Judas was chosen to enlighten, us our, enlighten our awareness of hypocrisy. There will always be posers. People who make believe they're Christians, but they are not. This is telling us that they can even be in your inner circle. They can even be so close to you. You know, the story of the betrayal of Jesus is been the center of much theological debate. Yes, Jesus had to die on the cross. Yes, that was, that was foretold. He had to die for the sin of all humanity. Yes, he did. And Jesus had to be a, Judas had to be a part of that. Yes. But did it have to be one of his own? Couldn't it have been a Roman soldier or a Pharisee or someone from the government? Did Judas have a choice in the matter? Was Judas ever a true disciple? All those things we leave to the theologians. They can debate that till the cows come home if they want. They can debate all those things. But in my opinion, Judas did something that was worse than just leaving him. He was a covert defector. Covert meaning stealth, meaning everything he did was in secret. 
his activity. He was the ultimate poser. Those who left that day, they just left. They just left. And we said last week that some of them even returned. They didn't go around claiming to follow Jesus and then bring shame on the kingdom by their disobedience. They quietly went back to their old life, it says in verse 66. Judas, on the other hand, stayed with Jesus for three years, even though he didn't believe that he was the Son of God. Remember, Peter said, we believe and come to know. We, for all of them. Judas was a covert defector. He made out like he was a follower of Jesus, yet he was full of greed. He was full of envy. He was skillful at deception. Would have been better if Judas had just walked away. Judas may have agreed with those who wanted to make Jesus king just the day before. He might have been disappointed that Jesus didn't accept. And since he was one of the 12, he thought maybe he'd have a position in the monarchy. And so he might have been upset about that. But from Scripture, we know that G Judas stayed with Jesus to see what he could get from him. Jesus, speaking of Judas in John 12, 6, says, Now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what he put into it. Now the big question. How many of us are covert defectors? We come to church. We claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, yet we really don't live our lives and give our lives to him because we don't want to accept the fact that he's the son of God. How many of us are posers? There are many covert defectors in the church today. And I love this quote. I forget where I got it, but I love this quote. They have a profession of salvation, but sadly, there is no possession of salvation. They claim to profess Jesus Christ, but they don't possess Jesus Christ. Billy Graham himself once said that perhaps half or more of churchgoers in America have never been born again. That's a scary statistic. That's a scary statistic. Yes, you may have walked down the aisle, maybe shook the preacher's hand, maybe tears flowed, maybe you prayed a prayer that you were told to pray, but it was a real decision to turn your life to Christ. Or was it something else? Many church members today have great reputations. They're respected for their service and faithfulness and attendance. Maybe they work in ministry or sing in the choir. And sometimes they're a leader, a deacon, a teacher, or even a pastor. They might have the right reputation as far as other things. But the real question is, what does God know about them? Does God know them that way, in an intimate way, because they've accepted Christ and they've opened up their heart to Jesus Christ and they've submitted everything to them? Now, I'm not speaking about the person who is struggling in their faith. Not who I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about folks who just go about living, giving no thought to the examples that they make on other people. They've accepted Christ, and now they're living their life just like the rest of the world. And you can't tell any difference between them and the world. And they're just living their life the way they want to. Posers. They're not real Christians. A covert defector can damage the kingdom of God. If you call yourself a Christian, our lives must reflect it. We will not be sinless perfect, but people should see signs of Jesus in your lives. From the time you've accepted Jesus Christ until now, there should be some change. There should be something to identify you as one of his. There should be something. Judas was a covert defector. And if we look at our text, it's a warning of religious hypocrites. I would hope that if the Lord returned right now, that this church would be empty. 
I would hope that this church would have nobody in it. But sadly, when I read the Bible, it doesn't appear that way. It doesn't appear that way. Someone may be left behind. Imagine if it happened during a service. But our text is also an encouragement. Now, you're probably scratching your head. Okay, how can Judas's betrayal be an encouragement? Because the other 11 did not. The other 11 did not betray Jesus. They stayed faithful to him. One out of 12 is not bad. They're good odds. They stayed up, and they end up giving their lives for Jesus Christ. Don't let some Judas keep you from following Jesus Christ. Don't be the one who says, I'd get saved, but there's so many hypocrites. That's great. They're all, we're all hypocrites. Come on in. One more won't matter. Certainly, there are hypocrites. Our passage teaches us that there always have been and there always will be. And it's not entirely a bad thing. How so? How is it entirely? Well, a counterfeit actually proves the reality of the genuine. Why do you think people counterfeit money? Because there's such a thing as real money. The devil places counterfeit Christians because there is such a thing as a genuine believer. But in the choice of Jesus, I love this fact. And, you know, it just breaks my heart. In the choice of Jesus, he actually shows, in the choice of Judas by Jesus, he actually shows grace and beauty. Because if you go back to the same passage in John 13, it's that beautiful scripture at the end of the supper when Jesus girds the cloth and washes their feet, washes every single one of their feet, knowing that the person that he was washing was going to have his heel bruise him. Did Jesus wash Judas's heel? Would you wash the feet of someone who betrayed you? Would you wash the feet of someone you knew was going to betray you? Throughout the Gospels, Jesus calls Judas what? Friend. He calls him friend. All the way up until he's arrested, he calls him friend. Maybe you can relate to this today. Maybe you've been demanding your own way in an area of your life. Maybe you have become bitter or even disappointed in the Lord. Remember, Jesus called Judas a friend. He's calling you friend right now. He's calling you to come closer, friend. He's calling you friend right now. And Judas knew why Judas and the multitude walked away. But he was giving them an opportunity. He was giving them an opportunity. And I believe in all my heart I believe in all my heart if Judas had crawled to the foot of the cross while Jesus was hanging there and asked for forgiveness, my Lord would have forgiven him. I believe that with all my heart. He was giving Judas an opportunity to turn, to repent, to get it right. Is Jesus giving you an opportunity today? Maybe you've played church for a long time and you've gotten away with it. Now all of a sudden you're sitting there and the Holy Spirit's going, time you do something about it. Jesus has given you an opportunity today. He's given you a time when he said, friend, come closer. Friend, come closer. I love you. I know what's in your heart even now. I know most of you are thinking about the Eagles game. I know what's in your heart right now. I know most of you are thinking about the party you're going to have for the Eagles game, what you have to buy, what's going, what do you have to go to Acme or ShopRite to get. 
You're not concentrating on the word. I know that right now, the Lord's saying to you. But I'm still your friend, and I still died on a cross for you. Come closer. Come closer to me. Let me cuddle in your arms. It won't matter whether they win or lose. Hey, he's giving an invitation right now. Maybe you're a poser. And I'm not trying to make any light of anybody. I'm not trying to put anyone down. I'm not trying to put anybody down because anybody that's come in the church, we've shown the same amount of love to just like anybody else. We don't know your heart, but Jesus does know your heart. He knows it better than we'll ever know it. He knows it before you knew it. He knows your heart. It's not for me to know. I'm an old fool. You can fool me anytime you want, but you can't fool him. You cannot fool God. So if you are finished playing church, if you're done coming out of respect, if you're done coming out of obligation, if you're done coming into this building just because that's what you do on a Sunday morning, if you're finished with all that, it's time to get real. It's time to get right with God and come back to Him. Return to your first love. Come back and do your first works. What did you do at first? You believed with all your heart, and you had this wonderful experience that God blessed you tremendously. He's saying today, come back. Come back, take advantage of this, this grace that's being given out to you. Take advantage of it while it lasts, because the grace of ace is fastly closing. And when it closes, we will no longer be in the age of grace. Those that have made a true profession of Jesus Christ, those that have made a glorious profession of Jesus Christ, those who have him in their heart, who are sealed by the Holy Spirit, will not be here. We'll be raptured away, caught up, taken in the air to meet with Jesus. And where he will be, we will be with him. The dead in Christ will rise first. And we'll be with him forever. You don't want to be here for the remainder of that time. You don't want to be here. Don't be a covert defector. Don't be a stealth person, one who hides and, and poses and pretends that you're a Christian. Oh, you know all the right words. You know when to say amen. You know when to say, right on, brother. You know all those neat things. You know all that stuff. No. It's not about Christianese. It's not about the language we speak. It's not even about what you do. It's about your heart relationship with Jesus Christ. Believing that on that cross he died for you and you alone. Take it personal. Christ died for me. Take it personal. He died for you. He died for everyone. He died for the entire world. Make it personal in your heart. Christ died. My sins are forgiven. But on the third day he rose from the grave. And I can have eternal life if I believe in him and trust in him and cling to him and hope on him. Eternal life with the creator of the universe. Eternal life with God in glory. Making everything you're going through right now nothing compared to the glory and grace that you're going to see. I challenge you to make that decision. You are Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.